0: Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio linking business, education, and technology. The BDPAI Radio Show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Technical advice by John Melonson. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology.
1: Well, welcome to the BDPA Radio show. I'm Fran McNeil, and very happy to have you join us. We are just coming off of the national BDPA conference, which was truly exciting, lots of energy, lots of great knowledge, and lots of great networking. On our show tonight, we have fabulous guests, very well informed and knowledgeable, our first guest will be Milt Haynes, Chief Information Officer for National BDPA. Our second guest is Deborah Chima. who is was a consultant and who owns her own firm. Our third guest will be Zach Garbo. He is the high school computer competition instructor for BDPA Southern Minnesota. And our final guest tonight will be Hayward West. Chapter President of BDPA Philadelphia, and hopefully Wayne Hicks will be joining us live for a brief BDPA Education and Technology Foundation update. So welcome again to the show, and we'll just take a brief commercial break, and we'll be back with our first guest, Will Hayes. Welcome to BDPA Internet Radio. I'm your host, Fran McNeil. Kudos to the 45 BDPA chapters across the nation and their members. And special thanks to the national, regional, and local sponsors who support BDPA and the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. Well, welcome back. Milk, thank you so much for joining us on the show. How are you tonight?
2: Oh, I'm doing fine. Can you hear me okay?
1: I can hear you just fine, and so can our audience. No, it was great seeing you last week in Chicago.
2: Yes, yes. Wasn't that an exciting event? From the day it started, uh, with the keynote from Don Thompson all the way through the end, with the excellent uh, comments from Laverne Council from J&J at our awards gala, it was just jam-packed with... uh, It was a wonderful event.
1: It really was. And I was just impressed by the spirit of volunteerism and leadership from everyone involved, uh, Yvette Graham, Pam Sexton, Monique Berry, the conference team, all of the volunteers. It was great to see the high school students and college students. I had a chance to catch some of the uh, IT showcase and wow we have some talented young folks and the workshops were absolutely fantastic and i thought this year adding the some um, different panels the diversity panel the um it panel the cio panel um the entrepreneurship panel just just fabulous absolutely fabulous so i'm really excited to have you on the show um mills You have been a BDPA champion for over twenty five years. And I really want to let our audience just know some highlights about your BDPA activity. Um, You've been the BDPA Chapter Chicago, Chicago Chapter President and the National BDPA president. And you're currently serving as the CIO for National BDPA. So I know that our listeners are sort of curious what
2: what exactly is your role as CIO for national DPA? Well, as CIO I'm responsible for all the technology. So the infrastructure like our website as well as servers we have in our office to support our staff. We have um we use Google Apps for our mail client and we also have other technologies that we use. Uh also the social networking uh platforms that we have, which um are platforms within BDPA.org, as well as on other platforms like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and GroupSite.com. Those all fall under the area of the chief information officer.
1: Hmm. So in that role, how similar and or different is that to um, a CIO role within an organization of two thousand employees.
2: Well, okay, there's similarities and of course
1: there are differences.
2: So the CIO title, Chief Information Officer, varies. Responsibilities varies depending on the size of the company. So for BDPA, you can kind of equate that to a small um business maybe with hundred employees. That's that's kind of the, the breadth of the responsibilities that we have. And that's because of our members. We have um, over uh, a 1,000 members, I think somewhere around 1,500 members. And because of our members, you those are like your um, customers, or in some ways they're like your employees, so you have to service their needs.
1: So in, in doing so, what are some of the technical challenges that you face as CIO and perhaps some lessons learned? Because many of our listeners are, in fact, um, entrepreneurs, and many of our listeners are part of and or looking for opportunities um to move up the i t ladder,
2: sure, yeah, you know the technical challenges tend to be more around uh getting involved in new areas, and what I mean by that is because we're volunteer run, I rely on volunteers to work in the CIO organization, and it's actually a growth opportunity. So um, some of the, our volunteers just haven't had the experience or the exposure to some of the technology. And um, the good news is that once we reach out to the organization, to the BDPA organization, we tend to find the expertise that we're looking for. So even at the conference, there was a question that came up about Adobe Flash, and we were able to find someone at the conference that, had, that understood the technology. So um, that's that's one of the main challenges now with any CIO organization, is just staying abreast of the technology and making sure that you have expertise in your organization that can work on any particular uh, business problem to make them up.
1: And I think that's an important link. The the CIO role is really as much as it's about technology. It's really also about the connection to the business needs and the needs of the employees, the customers, the vendors, the stakeholders. So the business drives how the technology, how that technology functions. Well, no, yeah, the business um, is
2: definitely the driver in this case. And our our business drivers are from our national board. So, for instance, on, in one of the board meetings, one of the board members mentioned that we should consider developing a social networking strategy. So one of the things we did was pull together a team to start developing a social networking strategy. And we're also working on an IT strategy and then some new features that are gonna be made available on our website that'll allow more collaboration networking amongst the chapters and with new prospects or potential members coming in. So you're absolutely right, is the the business, that means the the board, the chapters, the uh, National, Executive, National BDPA Executive Committee, the NEC, those are all our quote-unquote customers and our stakeholders, and they're the ones that we have to make sure that we provide the technology that they need in order to be successful in their business areas.
1: And you identified strategy, and I know later we'll have Deborah Chima talking um, about leadership. and But to what degree, what are some of the areas around strategy that uh, make your role as CIO easier and or more challenging? How does strategy fit into the picture?
2: The way we define strategy is um, sending out some vision, so understanding what you want, where do you want to go, and then developing roadmaps to tell you how you're going to get there. So, for instance, for social networking, we know that we want to – Um, satisfy the needs of a greater community. Right now our social networking community is around 21,000 subscribers. We want to uh, accommodate their needs to provide a vibrant, interactive facility for them to share ideas, best practices, and stay in touch with BDPA. But we also want to encourage them to become members. So part of our strategy is to uh, translate subscribers or to transform subscribers into members. And once you set that vision, once you say, okay, that's one of the things we want to do, now it's a matter of, well, how are we going to do it? What are the steps we need to take? And then after executing those steps, how do we know when we're successful? So setting up some kind of metrics or key performance indicators, KPIs, so you know when you're successful in reaching whatever goals and objectives you may set forth.
1: Terrific. To what degree can the chapter president and the chapter members assist you in that converting subscribers to members what's the individual uh, well a couple
2: ways actually um initially initially uh they can help by participating in a Six Sigma project that we just started uh one of our long time members is uh is uh, actually uh, going after certification for Six Sigma Green Belt, And uh, he asked for a project, and we gave him a project to look, that, look at our declining membership. And uh, one of the requests that he had was to get a voice of the customer by interviewing chapter leaders and chapter members. So just being available to participate in a study or a survey or being responsive uh, to a focus group meeting, that that's something that the chapter uh, leadership, the chapter presidents and the leaders can do. Now, that's just in a more of a designing or planning uh, way. Uh, but on the other hand, in a more of a tactical way, uh, chapter leaders can think about what can we do to always uh, encourage membership in whatever activities that we participate in. So, for instance, one of our chapters was involved in an activity to to um, build PCs, to actually uh, configure PCs and make them available to the community. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the comments that we had in our board meeting was that, hey, well, while you're building PCs and, and giving them out to the community, uh, also give out a BDFA membership. You know, see if there's a way to have BDFA membership sponsored. Because once someone becomes a member, they, they join the our our database, they start getting magazines, free magazine subscriptions. They get um, information about upcoming events. So, you know, it's our way of of bringing them into the community and getting them connected. So just uh, having a slight paradigm shift and saying, hey, every time we're involved in some activity, some, um, you know, if we're at a a career fair or we're involved in a community outreach activity, uh, encourage uh, membership to be part of that activity, make that one of the exit goals for whatever we're being whatever we're involved in.
1: Wow, that is really powerful, and I love that sense of personal responsibility along with pulling in the volunteerism, um sharing the message and helping people be part of the b d p a family. No, we have time for a few closing comments and i and I love the way that you brought in with BDPA experience. I know at the conference you had an opportunity to lead a workshop for folks and we'll air a little bit about that at another time. Um, But as you close, given your role as the Chief Information Officer for National BDPA, what's the final thought that you'd like to share with our audience?
2: Well, I'd like to share the idea of the value of volunteerism and what i mean by that is bdpa provides a safe haven where you can develop your skills your technical skills your people skills your your teaming skills and those skills are actually uh trans- transferable into your into your job into your career so for instance uh, as cio as of national bdpa It gives me an opportunity to develop additional skills. And um, I actually got a call tonight from a company that's looking for a CIO. So now I can say, yeah, you know, I'm already a CIO, and I've developed those skill sets, and now I can be a CIO at your company. And that's very attractive to them. So I just want to emphasize the value of volunteerism because as you volunteer for BDPA, you can leverage that, to expand and enhance your career.
1: Wow, that is a powerful example. Milt, thank you so much for sharing your experience and giving us uh, a bird's eye view of how information technology and BDPA serving its members um, really works from a technical perspective, a leadership perspective, and a volunteer perspective. Uh, Again, thank you for being on the show, and have a great evening.
2: Oh, and thank you, Fran, and thanks for iRadio. This is fantastic. I'm happy to be here.
1: Thanks. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, our next guest, Deborah Chima, will be joining us.
2: BDPA is the premier organization for people of African-American descent in the information technology industry. BDPA exists to advance the careers of African-Americans in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom. You can find BDPA on group site, Twitter and Facebook.
1: Well, welcome back. And Deborah, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you as a guest on BBPAI iRadio. I just want to take a few moments and share a little bit of your bio with our listeners. Deborah Chima, yeah, I have known her actually for several years. She really is a wonderful leader and entrepreneur, and if you were at the national conference last week, you saw her, you would have seen her as a moderator for the diversity panel, uh, which was absolutely informative and engaging. Deborah has a combined experience of over 30 years as a human capital developer. She spent 23 years serving as a corporate trainer and team leader both internationally and domestically. And for the last seven years, she has really been a very successful business owner. In fact, I know that um, last weekend, she had an opportunity to be a commencement speaker in the Chicago area. Deborah's goal is to help leaders improve their collaborative style while leading others in order to achieve the level of influential leadership that's so needed in today's challenging workplace. And Deborah is the author of a book called Choose to Lead, and she's a powerful advocate for the Executive Protégé Program within ITSMF and BDPA. Deborah, welcome again to the BDPA iRadio. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Well, Deborah, I'd like to ask most of our guests this one question because it helps people make the connection between the guests and BDPA. And the question is quite simply, what originally attracted you to BBPA, and what keeps you actively involved?
3: Okay, well, I will answer the first part of that question, what attracted me initially. As an operations expert, I have to admit that the technology side is not something that resonates with me immediately. So I saw this as a wonderful partnership for me to have the opportunity to work work with technologists, and be able to use my right brain functions more often. So that was my initial thought. And the reason why I continue to come back, and it's actually been eight years. I'm very excited about that. And the reason I continue to come back over and over again is because of the tremendous positive response that I get back from the BDPA membership and the BDPA leadership in regards to the career-building insights that I offer. So it's a wonderful partnership.
1: Well, Deborah, share a little bit about this career-building aspect because I know that a number of our BDPA members and potential BDPA members are underemployed or unemployed and or looking for opportunities um, outside of what they're currently doing. And so share with me a little bit of that perspective. The perspective of career building? Yes, career building. and your Okay, well,
3: well, the way I see it, whether you are currently employed or not, you still have to stay focused on what is your value statement, what do you bring to the table, and be able to immediately articulate that at any given point. I think it's especially important when you're not employed to be able to know on the turn of a dime where you can add value as you run into opportunities. Because sometimes things don't just uh, get offered to you. You have to be out, be visible, and as you're seeking opportunities and they come your way, then when the audience turns to listen to your message, you need to be able to articulate how you bring value to that particular situation. So I think that's foremost what people need to know. And I help them hone that message and create a win-win i guess um connection with your audience.
1: So the value statement would you be able to just briefly break down what are some of the ways that people begin to create that?
3: The value it statement awesome. first of all off with who am i? Who you need to know. Yes, I'm Deborah. But who is Deborah? Is she a high performer? Is she a hard uh, charger? Is she a results oriented leader? You need to be able to describe who you are. So once you can define this is who I am, this is how I show up, then the value statement is thinking about the audience now. It's not about you anymore. It's about now how do I take what I have to offer and I need to know intimately what it is you need. So before I can articulate that value statement, I need to do some pre-steps to find out the audience's needs, and then the value statement connects the dots. Here's what I bring to the table, and here's how this can meet your needs.
1: Wow. Wow. And and I imagine that takes some time for people to do that, and there's real value in having someone like yourself who's objective and experienced to help them practice and focus and be able to turn on a dime?
3: Oh, I definitely believe there's value in working with a career coach, someone who can help you hear your message, hone it, and get it to that nth degree where people find it valuable and want to know more. What I find a lot of times is people think that they should, blurt out this long proposition statement. And that value statement really needs to be said within 90 seconds because, quite frankly, people stop listening after that. We just all have that short attention span. And so if you can articulate how you add value in 90 seconds or more through the help of a coach, I can't see where that wouldn't help to enhance your visibility.
1: Hmm. So that really begins to address how your expertise has helped BDPA members and their skills. Just that that exercise, that practice, that discipline of creating the value statement is something that people can then take with them in their job search and take with them, I imagine also, as they're working within their current position. Would that be true? Sure, sure. I have uh, many BDPA
3: Members who became clients, and some of them even come back to me on a periodic basis. Let's say we help them get that first level of visibility, and they're off and running, uh, and they're successful. And now they're back because either they have a new role or they're in a different environment, and they want to get insight on how do I act or how do what behaviors need to show up in this particular situation. So it's ongoing. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is yes. You hone that statement, but you also need to be ready for it to evolve because you're going to evolve, so it never stays the same. It needs to be freshened up. It needs to be um, um, uh, words that help define how you bring value, and each time you go into a new environment, you're going to bring a different set of values most times.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that really dovetails nicely into the workshop presentation that you did at the conference. And I, I thought the title was very intriguing. It was the 21st Century Leadership Skills for Technologists. And I was wondering if you could share one or two key points from that presentation. And I'll actually do a separate show where I interview the workshop presenters and have them uh, do a little deeper dive into their presentation. And since you're you're on the show today, I'm wondering if you could, could give us two key points from your presentation. Sure. Uh,
3: what we talked about at the workshop was today's challenging environment requires you to show up even more powerfully, even more uh differently and strongly, and there are two areas where I help my audience recognize how they can go back into the workplace and do that. One is being able to manage your emotions during these challenging times. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the "woe with me and look at what's happening and it's out of my control, and so recognizing that your behaviors will follow your mindset. So how do you make sure your behaviors Your emotions, your communication even, is in alignment with what your ultimate goal is. So that was one point that we spent a lot of time on. if you can imagine, uh, people are going through so much right now, those even who are employed, and there are a lot of emotions happening. So I was able to help people discern what they're going to do differently to manage that area. Uh, The second point I wanted to highlight was I'm of the belief that technologists have to learn to be more influential. Many of our BDPA members don't necessarily have direct reports. So, for example, as a project manager, I'm responsible for getting this project to the end of the timeline and doing so successfully, but sometimes it's challenging because the people I need to work through to get the actions done, the action steps, don't necessarily report to me. So we spent a lot of time talking about how do you learn how to how to show up influential in a setting like that. We actually went through an influential quiz where they were able to discern how effective they were in the area of influence and what action steps they need to take to improve that influence. So those were two key points. Wow
1: emotions and influences are probably not at the top of everyone's mind and yet those behaviors or lack of behaviors um definitely influence um, their effectiveness so um <clears throat> again i think when we uh, air that next interview where um each panelist goes into detail i would i i welcome you to be part of that well, Deborah, we're getting close to the wrap-up time. There's only really two questions that I have uh, for you, and one you've touched on, but I'd like to ask it explicitly. What advice do you have for um, new IT professionals, underemployed IT professionals, um, unemployed IT professionals who want to get the most out of their BDPA membership? So what's that? What advice for i t folks and the b d p a membership?
3: one that said over and over again because I believe it is the most important step, you can't overstate it enough, and that is get involved. You can have your name on the roll, but until you join a chapter and actually get involved, come to the conferences, get to meet the people, you're just surfacing, so I say that, and then my next point would be read, read, read. BDPA sends out a wealth of information. It just keeps coming, keeps coming, and it's so easy to just delete the emails and and the information, but you'll find that there's a wealth of knowledge in all of that writing, and so I encourage people to read so they can see what actually is being offered, and then how can I match my need and my skills to the offerings, so those two areas.
1: Wow. 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 Well Deborah, I want to thank you for being a guest. Um, I know that you have written a book, Choose to Lead. I know that you have worked with a number of our BDPA members. And I'd just like to invite you to share a closing thought with our audience. Okay. My closing thought is
3: regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the negativity that you often encounter, you continue to be the master of your career. You and you alone can make it happen. So what are you willing to do differently tomorrow? How will you show up and do it in a powerful way, no excuses allowed?
1: Wonderful closing thoughts. Well, we have just been interviewing Deborah Chima, the author of Choose to Lead, A wonderful, wonderful, knowledgeable coach, and, Deborah, I look forward to having you on the show in the future. Have a great evening, and thank you for joining us.
3: Same to you. Thank you.
1: Well, after our brief break, we will have our next guest join us, who is Jack Garbo, and let's just take a brief commercial break
0: the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, a nonprofit organization that exists for the sole purpose of funding BDPA programs, scholarships, and services around the nation. Follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash BDPA Foundation, or Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash BDPA.
1: Well, welcome back and welcome to Zach. Zach, thank you for joining us on BDPAI Radio. How are you tonight?
4: I'm doing well, thank you. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yes, I can hear you okay. Well, I want to tell the audience that BDPA Southern Minnesota has defended the National High School Computer Competition um as the champion for a number of years. Zach, tell us how many years.
4: Um it's been 5 years in a row um and 6 of the last 7.
1: 6 of the last 7. So would that mean that uh what happened in 2011?
4: In 2011? Um yes. I I think we we just did uh more of the same. We uh we we came prepared, and and the students, you know, had a lot of pride in their work and and wanted to work really hard. And they were prepared to not only win but also not win. Um, and and we were fortunate for our chapter that we came out on top. Um, but I think the uh, the attitude of our students is what really made me so proud.
1: Wow, that that's really wonderful uh, coming from a person that has worked with the students over a number of years. And what I'm hearing is good sportsmanship. I'm hearing leadership. I'm hearing actually some of those skills that Deborah just talked about, the influence skills. Um, so, again, I want to I wanna welcome you to the show. Um, I know that you, in addition to coaching and supporting your team, that you're really committed to sharing some of the lessons learned um, from your program on a national basis. And so I was hoping that we might take a few minutes tonight for you to share some of those lessons with our audience, um, be it oh. they high school computer competition members or
4: instructors
1: or part of the leadership team.
4: Well, I, I think as far as succeeding at, at a national level, it's all about you know, preparation um, to really prepare your students. You have to prepare yourself. And and by that, I mean become an expert in the technologies you're teaching. Um, and that doesn't require necessarily a formal education. I didn't learn uh, the technologies I teach uh, in college or, or in my career at IBM. I actually just taught them my, to myself just so I could teach the class afterwards. Um, so I think the best instructors really know the material inside and out. Um, and and then they can build that trust with the students, that the students know that, uh, what they're saying is something they're an expert in. Um, and going along with that, I I, I think it's uh, all instructors ought to uh, not assign projects to the students that they haven't completed for themselves. Um, that's that's a mistake I see a lot of instructors doing. Um, I think another piece of advice is that uh, it's important not to focus too much on the national competition, and that might sound funny coming from our chapter, but we really do put all our focus, um, you know, 90% of the time on the general education of our class. We, we've had success at the national level, but we actually prohibit discussion of the competition during our general training session, which goes for about six or seven months. So until then, our sole focus is, is training our, a larger class of about 50 uh, high school students, and we really want to collectively teach the whole class from the very top student to the bottom student who, who may n- never have, you know, even opened a web browser typed a line of code. Um, so I think that's that's really important. I think uh, another piece of advice is that it needs to be fun. Um, the, our students come back year after year and recruit for us because we make it fun for them. Um, and, you know, we, we try to strike that balance between having a, a structured, disciplined class, but also making sure that they enjoy being there and they can work with their friends and have a place where they feel comfortable and happy.
1: Wow. And I've I've heard that in talking with Wes Williams and Cedric Sanders, I've heard that message before. Um, And, you know, I'm really glad that you're reemphasizing that fun part, the trust, and a piece. That I I won't say it's new, but a piece that I'm hearing loud and clear again tonight is that the student participants are really part of the referral process for future participants. So if they like it and they're gaining from it, they get other people involved.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's critical. Um, No one's going to come to the class or tell anyone else that they had a miserable experience with it. So I think it's crucial making sure that it provides a ton of value for the students and that you know, they want to give up their cartoons on Saturday mornings in order to, uh, you know, in our case, brave the cold and the snow in order to uh, show up and learn some, you know, rather difficult material. So it needs to be something that, that uh, you know, motivates them and, and something that they enjoy doing.
1: Now, this might be getting a little bit granular, but, what do you do to make it fun? Um, do you show cartoons? Do you take a gaming break? Um, do you have great refreshments? What? Just just getting kind of nitty-gritty, what are the fun elements?
4: Well, we try to keep it diverse. Um, there's, so there's a few things that I think are really important. One is it's fun if they feel like they're succeeding. Um, and I mean succeeding in the classroom, not succeeding at a, at a national competition. They need to feel like... They're learning the material and they're bettering themselves. Otherwise, they're just going to get frustrated and and not want to come back. Um, But also, we we try to keep a a very kind of social element to our class. Um, You know, we let the kids uh, sit with their friends. We don't – while we try to keep discipline, we don't want to crack down too much on kids working together and talking. And, you know, a little laughter is not a bad thing as well. Uh, We also try to keep things diverse. So we'll work on – on other technologies such as Flash or JavaScript, and some one day this this past year we even uh, didn't work on anything at all. We just watched uh, the Social Network in class, uh, which was actually really motivating to a lot of the students to find out that the things they're working on and learning can actually make them very successful and, and potentially, you know, rich one day.
1: Mm, wow. So you're really getting at Milt talked about value, Deborah talked about value, and um, you're talking about value, too. It really is all about them and keeping them engaged.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and another thing we do is every year we bring them on a, a field trip to a, a, a nearby university. Um, we've gone to University of Minnesota's uh, Digital Technology Center where they You know, get to see virtual reality research um, and and robotics and, and see how some of these things are applied in the real world. So they realize, you know, not if you like technology, it doesn't mean you're going to have to be programming in a lab by yourself for the rest of your life. You can actually apply it in a lot of interesting and diverse ways.
1: Well, you know, Zach, in terms of you personally, how did you initially get involved in BDPA? I I know the part of what keeps you actively involved, but how did you initially get involved?
4: Well, I I graduated uh, from college and started working at IBM, and I really just wanted to get involved in the community and and give back in some way. So my mentor, uh, Volke Sonomi Fleming, was in BDPA, and she invited me just to come and observe and after that first class, I was just hooked. Um, and I think I was hooked because it's so energizing to help these students and, and see them get excited about technology um, and, and really learn outside of class. So every time after class, I would be so energized. And I really loved that. Um, and it, I also really related to it because it was an outlet that I would have loved to have when I was in high school. But I didn't have that opportunity, um, so I see a lot of the uh, the students looking at it as as something that they can really succeed in, even if they aren't necessarily succeeding in traditional classes in school, um, they they really get hooked on uh, on the BPA classes.
1: Well, now you're working with high school students um, to what degree do those students come back in their college years or how do you how do you maintain the relationship because you know the chapter has won six years Um, you know the the program's been going on for a number of years where do your graduates go how do you keep in touch with them and do they become part of the BDPA family I know there's a lot of questions at once but you know
4: yeah I I think the students feel a, a really great bond Uh, with our local chapter Um, and while we we our our city rochester minnesota just recently got their first uh university in town so it's still growing so most of our students after they graduate they actually you know take off and and go all over the country but they always come back um you know and over their breaks and during the summer you know we welcome them back to the classroom Um, and the, the other students in the class just love seeing them they're just excited to see the alumni, and I, I think they really respect and look up to the, the alumni because they've been through it before, and now they're going on to bigger and, and even better things. So I think that's a motivating factor to them as well.
1: It is. In, in fact, as I listen to you say it, I, you know, kind of hear the music in the background and go, wow, you know, the, the power of being there and done that um, to inspire someone at, at a certain situation. Well, Zach, you know, I'm so pleased that you took time out of your schedule to share some of the ingredients of success. Um, I know that you are part of a BDPA team that supports the high school students and that there's a lot of energy and passion. I'm just wondering, as we close out this segment, um, what's the final thought that you have? for the audience in terms of your BDPA experience and or, you know, what it was like at at the conference this
4: year. Um, Well, what I really think needs to change is I think we need to all start sharing and collaborating more. Um, Each chapter today kind of operates on an island, particularly with respect to training the students. We're all teaching the same stuff, but we're doing it separately. And I think some chapters are doing better than others. So I think we all really need to come together and and share best practices, approaches, resources. Um, So one thing I did this year is I developed some software to run our chapters classes, to manage the class materials um, and to actually let the students work on it. Um, So I, I started a pilot of this by rolling out to a few other chapters this past year. And it was tremendously successful. Um, we created uh, virtual servers for every student, so they each had their own web server that they could work from, from class, school, from at home, um, without installing any software. And the other chapters that tried this really loved it. So th- my goal this year is to really expand on those efforts, uh, get more chapters involved, start sharing uh, our projects that we create, and I'm going to start with seeding it with my own. I've, You know, seven years' worth of uh, projects and resources I've created um, so what i want to do is is make it so we can all share in that stuff and and not have to reinvent the wheel um individually um so i think you know that's going to be a big effort but it's going to really improve the the efforts of of every single chapter that's involved
1: wow that that sounds exciting just uh briefly which chapters were part of the 2010 rollout for the pilot um
4: for the pilot um Cleveland, Dallas, L.A., um, all participated, as well as Detroit. Um, And then this next year, I have commitments from about five more that that heard about it and and that asked to be a part of it.
1: Okay. So if someone listening says, oh, my goodness, I have a chance (laughs) to tap into the best practices of a chapter that's been a consistent champion um in the high school computer competition training process how would they get in touch with you to say to put their hand up and say i'd like to be part of this sh- collaboration
4: yeah they can just email me at garboza at gmail.com that's g-a-r-b-o-w-z-a at gmail.com um and i'll put them on the list and and this is all uh you know, it's all free. We're we're just trying to promote more collaboration and sharing.
1: Excellent. And what I will do is, DBPA has um, a number of social media sites, as uh, Milt mentioned, and our website. So I'll make sure that, in an appropriate way, um, their your email address is listed and connected with the resource sharing. So the chapters that are interested um, can contact you. Well, Zach, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for sharing your enthusiasm. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you.
4: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Well, we are going to take a brief break. And in that break, we're actually going to hear live from Mr. Wayne Hicks, who is the Executive Director of BDPA's Education and Technology Foundation. Um, So Wayne, I believe that you're on the line and we're putting you in line. So um, I'd like for you to share with us the BETF
5: update for today. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you very much, Fran. I appreciate it. I I have... Thoroughly enjoyed listening to Zach. Um, the young people that that have trained in southern Minnesota, the foundation is very much aware of them because um, they have, for the last um, five years, uh, have been winning Bemley scholarships that we have been providing to help them as they went on to college. Um, this past week at the conference, the uh, foundation was very proud to give out 22 more Bemley scholarships, uh, so we have 22 more. Bemley Scholars, some of the new chapters that, that, uh, received and, and students that received Bemley Scholarships, uh, came from places like Columbus, Ohio. First time for that chapter to, to ever receive the Bemley Scholarships. And also Atlanta, Georgia, the first time for them in, in over, in over two decades, really, um, to receive, uh, scholarships. And so it was real, very exciting, that part of it. Another exciting thing last week was, uh, Eli Lilly, um, made an announcement, uh, the foundation is, is providing two young people with the Eli Lilly Scholarship for BDPA students. Uh, one lady, one high school senior is Jayla Cruz out of Indianapolis, and the other is a high school junior that is actually part of the championship Southern Minnesota team, and that would be Adwait Walimbe, who um, also received an Eli Lilly Scholarship. I think the other thing that, two other things I would say in this brief VETF update, uh, one of them is that uh, we did officially uh, agree to open up the second annual BDPA and ITology, ITology rather, um, scholarship. And this will be a scholarship for a rising uh, high school senior that has an interest in going to college in North Carolina or South Carolina. And you can learn more about that on our website, www.betf.org. And then finally, Fred, I want to just give a shout out to the an individual who made the largest individual contribution during the week of the the conference. Um, This gentleman is from Charlotte. His name is John Hoffler. He's a past president of our St. Louis chapter and our Greenville, South Carolina chapter. He now lives and works in Charlotte. He has two young people that were participating, a daughter and a son that were participating in the conference. And I won't give the dollar amount. I'll just say that John Hoffler, while there, we were sitting talking in the lobby one day and he um reached out and, and basically made a pledge that became the largest individual pledge uh that we received during the week of the conference and the second largest individual pledge that we've received this calendar year. And so John Hoffler works for Wells Fargo, just very, very happy with um his his support of what we're trying to do with the foundation. Thank you, Fred.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, thank you, Wayne. That is an excellent update. And I really look forward to your updates. It's wonderful for our audience to understand the connection of what the foundation does, how it reaches out to the corporate and private community, and how it really connects all of our BDPA members to help them move forward from the classroom to the boardroom. So, Wayne, thank you so much again for the work that you do and it's very exciting to hear the number of uh, scholarships and contributions that are coming in. So uh before you go I'd like you just to talk very briefly about the continued efforts to increase the Bemley
5: Scholarship Fund. The, the Dr. Jesse Bemley in 19 in 1985 created the high school computer competition that you and Zach were just talking about. So 26 years ago, um, he had the idea, he brought together some students, high school students from Washington, D.C., and Atlanta, and they competed in this two-day competition that has grown over the years to, to where now there are, you know, dozens of chapters and cities around the country that compete, hundreds of students that compete each and every year. What the foundation does is try to, Provide scholarships to these young people that have trained for six and seven months and have really performed well during that, that two day uh, competition each year. And so that's, that scholarship that we give, uh, right now we give it to the top five performing teams, um, we call the Bemley Scholarship. This year, calendar year 2011, we're very, very pleased that a, that a substantial portion of the funding has come from the Creating IT Futures Foundation. Um they actually they actually made a donation of ten thousand dollars towards the Bemley scholarships. Um, that is the most important scholarship that we have and that it is a, a, a bdpa based one that that is um, one that we've had for a number of years and and anybody that's interested in supporting us um, on either a corporate or an individual level, um, I encourage them just to go to our website and they can make the donation contact me by email or any of our social network sites. Excellent.
1: Well, Wayne, thank you again. Have a great evening. Continue listening. And we are going to now go right into introducing our fourth guest, Ray Haver West, who is the BBPA Chapter President for um, Philadelphia. Actually, he completed his second year as the BBPA Philadelphia Chapter President. And of course, in 2010, the Philadelphia chapter hosted the National Conference. Hey, welcome to the show. How are you this evening?
6: I'm doing fine, Fran. How are you doing?
1: Just fine, thank you. Well, you know, it's so exciting to have chapter presidents on the line because they bring a certain energy. They're close to the members. They're connected on a regional level. They interact they interact with the national uh, leadership and so they they just have a perspective that is very invigorating. And I really wanted to jump right into the interview and ask you what originally got you involved in BDPA and um what you experience in as a chapter president.
6: Sure, so um I had heard of BDPA, obviously because it was founded here in Philadelphia, but I never had attended a meeting. You know, I was naive to think that, you know, I could get where I needed to go without being a part of an organization such as this. And, uh, working for my current employer, our CIO was looking for volunteers to, uh, go to the BDPA National Conference in Orlando and help recruit conference attendees, uh, to come work for us. And I was at the national conference, and I could hear the buzz around everything that was happening, uh, especially with the high school computer competition. I was so impressed to hear about, you know, what these college, what these uh, high school students were doing uh, over a two-day period, and then also meeting some of the, the uh, current leaders that walked around and introduced themselves and all the um, uh, programs that and seminars that were available. After seeing that, I was hooked, and I became a member right after that. And, you know, not too long after that, I became a member of the executive board for Philadelphia, and it it really just changed my life. I I saw how it enhanced all my opportunities, enhanced all the skill sets that I needed from both a professional and a personal standpoint.
1: Wow, that is really powerful. Um, I I kind of identify with the statement that, Initially, you were naive to think that you could get to where you wanted to go without an organization. And I think I hear consistently that BDPA is one of those organizations that allows people to volunteer, develop their skills, and then, as Milt said, to leverage those skills into wonderful opportunities. Well, Hayward, thank you for sharing that journey. Um, I, I... that's a that's a great way to encourage uh, more employers to be part of the career fair and send their employees as well. So. Yeah,
6: there's no question about it. I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, so continue. Please continue.
6: Well, it's just a matter of, you know, um, one of the big things, and, and it was not only a, a difference that I noticed, but my employers noticed. So they could see that because of, you know, my activities that I got involved with and really was an opportunity to sharpen a lot of my skill sets that it definitely translated and they could see a difference in my day-to-day uh, work uh, for the company. And it opened up more opportunities there and and really, you know, opened the floodgates for me to continue to ascend to higher levels within the company, which prior to that, you know, I felt like I had reached, uh, you know, a certain plateau. and. Kind of like glass ceiling type of deal. So BDPA definitely played a huge role in that. Not just the sharpening of the skills, but also the building of the network. You know, finding individuals that were great coaches and uh, building those relationships, which I think are so vital to anyone uh, who is looking to uh, grow in their career.
1: That is powerful. So as you translated the skills, the relationships, the network. Um, how did that assist you as a president? Because I, I recognize as people listen to iRadio and hear the different perspectives and the message around volunteerism, there may be members that are now saying, you know, I should put my hand up to volunteer to be part of the executive board or get more involved in membership or consider, you know, in a year or two, running for an office within the chapter. So what were some of the lessons that you learned as a chapter president? Because in sharing those, you may be inspiring someone who's thinking about being a chapter president in the future.
6: I saw being a chapter president as like being the CEO of a nonprofit organization. You know, so you deal with sponsors, you deal with all types of members, uh, community leaders, and your team on the executive board. You know, I learned a great deal, you know, from uh, having those responsibilities, you know, how to be a better manager, a better leader, a better strategist, and a better executor, uh, in addition to becoming a much better listener. The role of the the chapter president is a a very challenging one, but, you know, if you want to expand uh, your capabilities, if you want to improve on what you can do, then you have to take on those challenges that will you know that will test all of your your various talents, and and being a chapter president or being involved on the executive board is 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 um, a, a role that fits you know that that's able to provide you with those those things that you need to expand your capabilities.
1: Well, I, that that is a powerful vision. Being a chapter president is like being a CEO of a nonprofit organization you know, the fact that you you take that title. And I was also struck by the fact that it helps you be a better listener. Expand on, you know, what what helps you be a better listener and, and how does that translate to you being more effective as a president and serving the members better?
6: Because I truly believe that everyone has something to contribute. And I think that... Um, you know it's not a dictatorship it's a presidency and and what you want to do is you want to be able to ha- make sure everyone has a voice uh, everyone has some great ideas and i think by being a good listener uh you don't always have to think that what you what you believe or or that your idea is the best one but being a good listener helps you to hear where other folks are coming from and and as a overall you're able to come up with a a better solution to any issue that that pops up And I think that was part of the success that we had uh, in the Philadelphia chapter. You know, having a strong team and everyone having a voice and everyone feeling comfortable being able to express their voice made us be able to make some very strong decisions, set some great strategy, and meet our
1: goals. Well, and that strategy, we're hearing strategy consistently. It's it's part of, and then we're meeting the goals. And in fact, Philadelphia Um, was the chapter of the year for four times, you know. So Philadelphia knows how to produce. Uh, I do recognize that this year New York um, received that honor. And I see consistently as we look at the, the winners of that, there are those elements of the strong team, the leadership, and everyone having a voice. So... Two remaining questions um, as we begin to close out the show. One that I I like to specifically ask chapter presidents um, is what can chapters do to help members regardless of their status, whether they're a student or a professional, an entrepreneur, in transition, unemployed, underemployed, what can chapters do to help their members?
6: First and foremost is to be present, listen to their needs, um, their concerns, and help them be successful, whether it's they're looking for a job or looking for internship or advice and coaching, or, or if they're looking to make connections, is be present. Um, BDPA is all about the membership, 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 membership. So it is our job to make sure that you know we, we serve those needs um and they can vary because we are from the classroom to the boardroom and you know so we try to make sure that we have um, as many opportunities to interface with our members as possible so whether it's our monthly program meetings or our monthly meet and greets which is a little more social or you utilizing social media through our facebook or linkedin you know be present and be available for your for your members
1: okay and Hayward, I want to again thank you for being a guest on the show. As we close out in this final minute or so, what's a, the what's a final thought that you'd like to leave our audience with?
6: Well, first I want to say congratulations to uh, Southern Minnesota for their win and also for uh, the New York chapter for their win. Uh, greatly deserved. Uh, it's all about one BDPA. And the other thing that I would say is that I love this organization and everything it stands for. Um, And the biggest thing uh, for folks is they think about, you know, what is the value that you get out of EDPA, or remember that you get out of it what you put into it. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it, and that's the one thing that I've learned uh, through my years of being a a member. The more that I decided to give of myself, the more I was rewarded with uh, great opportunities and, and growth for myself.
1: Hmm. Well, that is a wonderful way to finish up the program tonight. Opportunities and growth, EBPA, from the classroom to the boardroom, volunteerism in action. Hey, we thank you so much for being part of our show. Have a great evening, and to our audience, thank you for being present. Please remember that you can share this BDPA internet radio experience by tweeting, by getting people to um, know know about it through Facebook, your LinkedIn connection, and being a part of the social media. So share the fact that the second and fourth Tuesday of the month, from 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, BDPA iRadio is live for you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great evening. And we're going to finish up the show for August 9, 2011.
0: BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology, showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPA iRadio show is a regular exchange for BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPA iRadio guests link the diverse worlds of business, education, and technology.